Hello and welcome to the Stacks Office Hours, our semi-regular roundup of what we've been watching, reviewing, listening to, playing and reading. Contemporary cultural influencers, tastemakers and keepers of good takes, Jack and Stephen are here once again. Stephen, it's Tuesday, how are we doing? I'm doing pretty good, actually. Um, I've had an interesting day. I bought a wedding ring today. Oh, you're getting married. Are you? You're getting married again. Oh, yeah, yeah I on. know. I know. I know. I have. I have a ring now. Um, so it means it can can, can legally happen. Yeah. Um, Instead of the illegal wedding, which are much more interesting. <laughs> exactly, the illegal wedding. You just wait for our stacks content from the wedding. <laughs> oh stacks yes, wedding absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to make you when... review the film Wedding Crashes during the meal. <laughs> during the toast, wait Jack. <laughs> Jack and or I get drunk enough and then we'll just like shout things into a phone and then post it up on a feed and be like that was a terrible 100% idea. 100% will be doing this at some point. Don't you worry about it. There you it. go. Anyway, what have we been doing for the past couple of weeks? We're watching movies. I'm doing okay. I'm trying to recover a hard drive at the moment and I think Ooh, my yeah. internet I... connection is failing so it's all just not great today. Ugh, the modern world is conspiring against you. The things that we need, both internet and space. Yes, exactly. Let's go back to reading books and being offline. That's the dream. Well, we're gonna get to we're gonna get to some of that today, but alas, most of it is online. Um, all right, I've listed down the things that I want to mm. talk about. I know that you know what you want yes. to talk about. So, shall we start with the moving image? Let's start with the moving image. If you wanna you wanna take the first moving image? Yeah, because I know that you've got like at least twenty four hours. I've got twenty four hours worth of moving images. Exactly. <laughs> So, um, so I will just let me load up my letterbox diary just because I'm missing things. I've not been watching that much because mm. I've been I've been pretty busy um, since last time we spoke. Um, I think last time we spoke, I just finished my um, John Waters um, binge. Since that point, I started Le Vampire Serial, and then oh, I've yeah, yeah, not yeah. caught up with that because then I heard it's not dropping off Criterion, so therefore... Oh, there's no reason to rush to it, yeah. I have now, yeah, not rushing through. That's pretty good so far, but I have I very to say about it. Um, I am doing a little mm. bit of a Jurassic Park series recap. Oh, God. Um, are you going to go see that new one? Are you going to go see the new one in the I'm cinema? Yeah. Uh, maybe not at the cinema, no. <laughs> good, yeah. Um, I don't know how long you'd have to wait till it's out on yeah. digital, but yeah, yeah, I wouldn't but... spend money on it, to be honest. No, but... no, I... I yeah, I did people that i mean as well uh, you know podcast plug um josh newbury friend of the podcast and guest on a stacks podcast coming yes. soon to a, to a stacks near you should um, be out by now that's the uh coming now to a stacks coming near now, you coming, coming <laughs> in the past that is our kino thanks episode on united passions josh yes. talks about jurassic world there which even he didn't like and he's liked the previous ones so exactly. that's a damning yeah. indictment mm. um so yeah um, you will not know remember this because you went around at the time um but when i was like six or seven um i declared that the <laughs> The Lost World Jurassic Park was the greatest movie ever made, um, and I had not revisited it since. I now have a two-star review okay, of The well. Lost World Jurassic Park. But <laughs> you like, wait, did you revisit Jurassic Park 1, or you just, you just no. take that? You just took no, I was filling in gaps, because I didn't yeah, want to, because yeah. that would mean I had to rewatch World. I didn't want to do that, because um, it sucks. Oh, okay, but yeah, yeah. Jurassic Park 3, really good movie. Mm, fun. Fun. Really good movie. I that's gonna get a critical reappraisal of the like that Bay Pig the City has. Maybe not to that extent. I don't it's think not a masterpiece. That, it's, um, say, it's, a, it's, a, it's a solid three star summer blockbuster. Yeah, solid three star. Actually fun. Kind of scrap around the edges. It's like interestingly self reflexive. It's a film about itself that is aware of what it is. Has some straight to DVD vibes, but is film about to DVD. Sam Neill taking money and doing yeah, projects totally. that he's um, already done. Oh yeah, and I, I enjoy that. And it's got a bit of like it's got a bit of like nastiness to it that I enjoy. Like splattered like really there's early some on. good there's some good deaths 
Yeah, and it's got a, a raptor that speaks, and it's got some dumb stuff in it. There's, that's hilarious. Um, yeah, like dinosaur piss, T Rex yeah. piss is a plot line. My favorite dumb thing in it is that the movie starts with it's theoretically possible that maybe raptors could talk. Now this guy's like, I've met raptors. I've literally met them. They didn't talk. I've met them. They didn't. But it's theoretically possible. And then <laughs> the next raptor he meets, they're like, oh, they're talking. I'm like, okay, well, well these are different raptors. That was a big is... jump. They just are, which is hilarious to me because kind of like the thesis of the film is that we shouldn't intervene we should mm-hmm. like study and engage in actual research and actually the text of the film says that nah that research was a waste of time if you'd have flown to this dinosaur island you'd have found it out straight away so <laughs> yeah idiots like you were on the wrong island <laughs> completely oh. counterintuitive absolutely brilliant um and then i watched um fallen kingdom uh, fallen kingdom <laughs> sucks but a... it's kind of funny i uh, so i so going into dominion i completely forgot about the whole clone like narrative thread all i remembered from Fallen oh very Kingdom funny was just like it's a it becomes like a, a dinosaurs on the mainland it's a slasher in a mansion now what's going on that bit's kind of great a dinosaur opens the door and she says yeah, that yeah. she must free the dinosaurs to kill people because she is one of them and i'm like no you're not remember when this, remember when this was about the beauty of dinosaurs <laughs> yeah no 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 um, yeah, I, I then caught up on my Cooper Wraiths, but you can hear me talk about those on a Spoiling Things app coming soon. Oh, about cool. Crimes are you of the doing, future. Oh, you're doing that. Cool. Um, and that's the Crimes of the Future app, where I also talk mm. about Crimes of the Future. I watched both of those. Mm. Um, and yeah, I watched the Tony Hawk documentary, which yeah, I, was, I would uh, recommend. Until um, the wheels fall off. Yeah, it's it's like not a great documentary. It's very, very functional. It has moments mm. of greatness. But if you just want to like, I don't know, it's a great like have it on the deck. Da- in the background and learn a bunch of stuff mm. whilst like playing yeah, yeah. Tony Hawk or something. Like, As you say, great, which is, is very much something that I will do. <laughs> yeah, get get your Switch out, play Tony Hawk and yeah, like yeah, yeah. Talking Heads will talk to you for a while and you'll, you'll learn some stuff. And it, the talking, it, talking Heads are on it. Okay. Yeah, Talking Heads are on it. David um, Byrne, the Tony Hawk fan. And yeah, it, it's self-reflexive um, and it's self-critical. Uh, it's, mm. it's, it's pretty good that way. Um, uh, Quirrell, um, I talk about that on Spoiling Things briefly at the end. Same about Flux Gourmet, Ambulance, and Firestarter. Um, but Woof. Altman, Robert Altman. I want to bring yeah. about Robert Altman. Um, be- because he's being covered on The Twin Geeks, the podcast known as The Twin Geeks. The mm-hmm. podcast known as The Twin Geeks cast. Now, here is my, my pitch. Altman is obviously huge, mm. is huge, but has become comparatively kind of like, I don't know, like taking like a very like cinematic backseat in what is mainly watched he i think he's occupied it's, it's interesting that twin geeks have done both of these now because they're doing um altman but i i, I very much classify Bogdanovich. him as a bogdanovich yeah of being yeah, like he's now just become your filmmaker's favorite filmmaker uh-huh. category of no one is not no one because people are it's not no one active is, like, discussion like altman yeah. and bogdanovich yeah, yeah. movies anymore or being like get to that they're the kind of ones you, you get to around and like i feel they used to be where Coppola is now, where people are still watching Your Godfathers, etc., uh-huh. Your Apocalypse Nows. But um, Altman, despite being so so unbelievably praised, still feels like a bit on the fringe. It's just like everyone's accepted like a, that Altman is just gem. good, yeah. but not good enough to actually just watch his movies. <laughs> but he's not in the canon as much as someone like a, a Coppola and those other sort of 70s American yeah, characters. Yeah, he, he, it should go Altman, Scorsese, Coppola, like... Mm. Um, and, and Lucas to an extent um, yeah. but it's very much just like those three and oh yeah um, I guess Altman was around um, yeah. and he made some movies that some people saw um, and people like them because he but made yeah, a watched... lot of movies he's, he's made, made a load of movies, of movies. I'm not going to watch all of them because a lot of them mm. just look kind of boring but I'm going to follow I, the hits I had a run last year where I, I did sort of that that main run that sort of like late yeah. 60s 70s 80s run 
uh, and had a fun time doing it. And uh, I think you're in a similar boat now, and you've jumped ahead. I know. You yeah, I've been jumping shortcuts. around. So I, I watched Brewster McCloud at your recommendation, yes. which yeah, is yeah. great. Um, mm. There's some stuff at the beginning which is deeply uncomfortable because it just yeah. like throws out a couple of slurs randomly. But apart from that, that movie is just wild. It's just like an, a complete exercise in ludicrousness mm. um, and world building, but... and not some, like characterization. Well, yeah. characterization, but not to a narrative degree. It's sort of just like a, a vibe movie, and I like that world and those characters it's, and like the the odd odd characters mm. that they build. It's just this wild, broad kind of like vibey hangouty kind of thing that also just has like loads of really really strange moments. Um, I wrote a thing about it. I recommend you read it in my letterboxed. But this is the precursor to to shortcuts, really, which I watched and is just astonishing. Mm. Um, have you seen shortcuts? I have not, because I, I was going chronologically, so and I took a I took a break yeah. after. Ooh, what would have been the last? I think Popeye might be the last one. I need to watch Popeye. So I'm very Popeye is about. interesting, if not just uh, in terms of set design and the fact that the set is still like functioning and exists today somewhere in like is it Scandinavia or oh. somewhere in like Central Europe? I can't remember, but very strange S- film. Yeah, I can't wait to watch that. Um, so shortcuts. The baby brain take is the you know is the there's the virgin magnolia and the and the, and the chad mm. shortcuts is 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 the baby brain take yeah. and there's there's some degree in that like i love magnolia um, mm. it was like a, a early kind of like discovery of like great films for me i remember watching it first year of university and it's a film that i like i'd sought out by myself and i've been told to watch it i was like this is just absolutely brilliant and this sense of the the three-hour movie that's all these intersecting stories that builds up to a moment and it's very tempting watching shortcuts to go like well magnolia rip this off but it actually i don't know i i i leave it thinking that both are masterpieces and like in the same way that every first person shooter is not just doom and the same like you can yeah, make yeah, yeah. it like it's it's kind of like there a, style, an idea. It's a genre yeah there's like, a central idea but it's not all just repetitive like nashville nashville is like yeah. to a degree the same sort of thing yeah and w- what i like about shortcuts shortcuts is, is, is astonishing it's an absolutely mm. masterpiece of film um and it actually highlights that Magnolia is very, very different. Magnolia is a deterministic film. It's about how all things draw together and meet together. And it builds mm. up to this like really important moment that reclarifies and it's about overlapping themes. This is not about that at all. This is about the topographic. This is about the geographical. This is about capturing a sense of place. This is about how you will never know all the connections. The mm. connections don't matter. I write my review that like person A accidentally causes... Like, say there's an Act A, and later in the film, Act R happens, and you know that Act A leads directly to Act R, but personal Act A is over in Act 5 over there, causing Act Q, not realising that Act R even exists. So you, as this kind of, like, omniscient viewer, are aware that that leads to that, leads to that, leads to that, but it shows that no one really knows, and it's it's a great thing of, like, someone will enter a scene of an emotional energy that will confuse the other characters, and you'll know exactly why they are like that, Mm. but they won't. And that's such a great way of revealing, actually, like, a, a human layer. So it's not about, like, creating this like tragic or like thematic arc and that's not lesser magnolia is still brilliant but it is doing something very very different and without spoiling too much because it's hard to spoil but there is obviously an event but it's kind of like it's a characteristically non-event and it's like so key to the film that it's like you think it's in that big lebowski way of like we're building up something building up something it was like we'll kind of know and it's so perfect because the whole film is just like yeah, we'll kind of know. Like we do, we are not narrativized. We are not mm. canonicized. We do not have arcs. We just live, and things overlap, and people do stupid things or bad things, and yeah, yeah. things don't get resolved. There's like twelve things that should be the plots of whole movies, and just go nowhere and not revisited because it is like twelve Raymond Carver stories that are like all like 
pulled together so yeah. it has that sense of like intrigue and conflict but none of the conflicts are in those like ways you'd expect and not in like a, a movie style not in a yeah, yeah. A, a sort of three act there's a resolution and you know it's the initial problem totally it's just it's just stunning and it's just like the most seamless just like effortless thing of like it's always the right place to move on and to go somewhere else but it never feels mm. functional it never feels contrived it never feels like there is a flow chart somewhere but you know that yeah, there is yeah. in the same way <laughs> yeah, that's that absolutely brilliant. yeah sure um so that's my, my movie watching um awesome. some good stuff it's all yeah, good yeah, stuff yeah. i, I want to get back into altman and i want to i want to I, I do want to follow along with twin geeks as well because I, I think some of the early stuff is meant to be quite interesting and then mm. obviously later period altman as well i'm just sort of i've been in the middle period so i need to yeah. experiment a bit more i did something stupid yeah <laughs> so justin de clue owner of Gold Ninja Video, a boutique Blu-ray label, and uh, he's the host of the Important Cinema Club podcast. He hosts... Uh, <laughs> and Stephen's nemesis. He hosts 24-hour yep. movie marathons a couple times a year. Uh, I would like to point out, um, this is 24-hour movie marathons, not in your time zone, <laughs> which is even wilder. Oh, we'll get to that. So, tw- yeah, 24-hour movie marathons. He hosts Summer One, The Summer Mind Melter, and one in ho- uh, October, The Horror Mind Melter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, in, we're, we're approaching summer. We're in the midst of summer. So mm-hmm. it's a, it was a Saturday. It started midday Eastern time, which was 5 p.m. for me. And so the idea was there's 13 movies on the bill, and they were all kept secret other than vague hints that Justin had posted on Twitter. And it turns out the vague hints were so incredibly vague some of the connections <laughs> between the hint he posted and the movie he showed were so like no one would ever have guessed them so i, I always enjoyed that can so you give an I've example got, so he put 13 movies yeah. as the hints to other movies so the fourth hint was battleship potemkin yep and i was like what is that going to be and you theorized rihanna's battleship uh, I, I did. I did message saying, if this is Rihanna's Battleship from 2012, I will be leaving the stream. Mm. Um, and it was... Asana's Battleship, sorry, Asana's. <laughs> it was this three-hour, like, Indi- Indian political comedy movie. And, it, I, I like, some of the po- politics, I can feel like a slight comparison <laughs> to Potemkin, but I was expecting some sort of Eisenstein <laughs> recovered an Eisenstein film. Eisenstein 70-minute, uh, not a three-hour. Anyway, so God. I've got a quick rundown of my experiences in those 24 nice. hours, and here we go. So 5pm. Mercenaries from Hong Kong from 1982. This is an easy win, easy way to start, easy way to get Jack on board. It's an obscure Hong Kong action film towards the end of the Shaw Brothers' momentous career, Men on a Mission, Bananas, stunts, action sequences, out the wazoo. It's like 90 minutes long. Perfect. Fantastic film. So is that Easy. Mercenaries Delicious. from Hong Kong or Mercenaries the film from Hong Kong? Mercenaries from Hong Kong. Is the that's title. the title. Cool. Merc- okay. These mercenaries, they're from Hong Kong. Nice. Good. Okay, Good so that's film one. Film two, Lucky Luke from 2009. This ah. is based on a series of French or Belgian comic strips. Bang, bang, um, Lucky Luke. Along the same lines as uh, Tintin or Asterix and Obelix, I'd never heard of them before. I've watched some. Have you? Yeah, yeah. Mm. So I looked up. I looked it up afterwards, and I was surprised I'd never heard of it before. But um, I've I've actually started reading some of the original comics, and it's a really interesting world. So this is a gunslinger story, and it's absolutely filled to the brim with silly gags and jokes, and it props up like a decent contemporary western with some of the best like production and set design I've seen in a long time. Um, like the intro Justin gave because Justin gave like introductions to all of them just before they started and he said like it's so I mean it has like a very low rating on IMDB and Letterboxd and he was like bear with me 
so like the critics at the time and fans of the comic series said it's like a little mismanaged and like the tone is all over the shop like it's funny in like a strong stretch of the movie and then it like gets really self-serious at times and i don't know as like a complete newcomer to the world i had like a really fun time with it and some of the sets would rival like mad max fury road in in comparison to some of these sets it's incredible it was from 2009, and that's Lucky Luke. I think I've seen this, but not in a way that I'd ever log it. Because, um, mm. like, I, so my, my parents live out in France, but, like, I've mm. had the house there for a long time. And, like, we'd be out there during the holidays. And um, Martina and Michelle were a couple that lived down the road. Um, Michelle um, sadly passed away, but he loved the Lucky Luke stuff. Um, and we'd be in his house talking to his dog sometimes. He'd talk to the dog. <laughs> talk and, he'd to dog it, like, yeah. and he'd have it, like, running on TV. I do remember um, at one point in a later visit him watching a live action version of it so it could mm. have been that it, very um, very there was also a, one of the 70s i believe um possibly a was it walter hill could have been either uh, but yeah i've seen uh, a live ac- bits of a live action it's fun at some point. uh it's strange very interesting it was a nice sort of second film to watch third film uh, a curveball so we've already had uh, hong kong action and then it was a uh, a french comedy western yeah uh, 60s british heist movie <laughs> Uh, a, f- a film called Payroll from 1961, a very lesser seen crime film. It's uh, really tightly constructed and knows how to pace out tension and drama. It's set in Newcastle and shot in cool. gorgeous, like black and white in 60s Underliner Newcastle. Underliner upon time. Uh, oh, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm terrible upon at time, the, the, the northern one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, it's just really well done and just staying in that sort of heist sensibilities for like 100 minutes in 60s Newcastle was a really interesting way and like I think I was one of the only Brits on the stream and just being yeah. like why are we watching this Newcastle film this is quite cool it's um, very very cool and next film Battleship Potemkin himself uh, this is Sivaji the Boss from 2007 this is an Indian huge Indian movie now I've been slowly but surely getting more immersed in the fascinating world of Indian cinema and one name that you're a regular pop- Kingo I'm a regular <laughs> I'm a regular Kingo from the tunnels and one name that's popped up a few times in regards to contemporary Indian cinema is this guy called Shankar uh, I've seen a few of his directed films and they are always wild like often overlong, imbalanced, poorly paced, but he knows how to create incredibly bizarre scenarios and tell very strange stories. I I've seen two or I've seen three now. One was called I from 2015 about a bodybuilder getting revenge on the people who disfigure him and it's a love story. It's wild. So it's Robocop. Not- not a good movie, um, but a wild movie. And the other one was called Robot from 2010. So it's also about, Robocop. It's, it's about a robot. So this is no different. Savaji the Boss, uh, the first half is this middling and rather uncomfortable romance between a rather young sort of girl and a rather very old man. Classic so that was Battleship a Battleship <laughs> Um So this really uncomfortable sort of 90 minutes propped up by fantastic... Like, uh, action sequences there's a, uh, a a scene where there's a fight in a musical instrument shop where all the instruments are massive uh, I, I, really wild stuff but the film really comes into its own after the intermission for a film that's about a software engineer taking down corruption within the police force and political mm-hmm. infrastructure again it's robocop 
there are lots of moments of true ludicrous spectacle. A destruction derby at a drive-in screening of Peter Jackson's King Kong. <laughs> what the a musical number, uh, a musical number inspired by Robert Rodriguez and Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Cool. And then uh, one of the climaxes, one of the climaxes, great uh, fight scenes that are sort of parodying the Matrix and the Matrix Reloaded with like dusters and trench coats. Super. So this was this was around a three-hour film, and this led me to one a.m. And that was like a perfect time zone for that. So everyone else in America was watching that at like what, uh, like ten, like finishing around ten yeah. eleven to get into the midnight madness. So that was film four. Film five, The Champions from two thousand eighteen. At this point, I'm still riding off the high of the last film. So champ, so champion, a film about a Korean American arm wrestler was mm-hmm. like rather straight laced and accessible, with no real outbursts of lunacy to stimulate my two a.m. brain. Yeah. It was like good, clean fun, heartwarming sports movie. On to the next one, number six, Golden Slumber from two thousand ten. Exactly. Slumber based off of, loosely, the Beatles song. So is, that, uh, is it in the Norwegian Wood cinematic universe? <laughs> it's in the Yesterday cinematic yeah. universe. So yeah. Uh, strange film, <laughs> and political Japanese political thriller about a man who is framed for assassinating the Prime Minister of Japan. It's also goofy and like maximalist in parts, but I was fighting a really tired urge at this point, so mm. I just had to ride the wave through till about like 4am. Number seven. This one woke me right up. It was like Justin knew that I was flagging and thinking about going to bed, and he threw on this this Taiwanese film called A Heroic Fight, and it's about a team of stuntmen oh. attempting to foil a kidnap a kidnapping attempt. Uh, the stunts and action are all over the top. A, a real fever dream of a film, and I had a great time with it. I support this. I've been a long supporter of the indefinite article title, not the definite article title. So anything that starts A something, again, not I am the, the yeah. A, you know, it should be A Batman, etc. So yeah, A anything, I'm always down for. Number eight, Resurrection of the Little Match Girl. Strange title, strange film. This anime. one really did me in. Not anime, live action. Mm. I can't remember what time this played, but by the end of it, I <laughs> threw my hands up and admitted defeat. I needed sleep. I know it's a mind melter, and this one melted my mind. It's a film about a man that goes into a video game, and the goal of all the players within that video game is to make sure that the match girl, a girl from a famous Japanese poem, dies, but dies thinking about them? There are some insane sequences in this. I can't really tell you much more of it, because I fell asleep towards the end, but I woke up and was like, I think that was a movie. So (laughs) I fell asleep... Uh, the ninth film which is a film called The Korean from Seoul Um, I fell asleep on my laptop it sounds cool I might check it out I slept for two hours and then I woke up Sunday morning at around what 8am I don't remember but it was time for a slice of anime some Sunday morning animes this is Lupin the Third Episode Zero First Contact so you know Miyazaki's Castle of Cagliostro um, it's sort of like you open in media res they're in a heist well this goes back to how these characters met each other it's an origin story it's slick the animation's flashy if you like Lupin in any any form you'll like that um, some real good cat and mouse shenanigans and then film 11 National Lampoon's spoof movie called Loaded Weapon now I can take or leave spoof movies, but Loaded Weapon One was quite fun. Maybe this is because I hadn't slept. Maybe because this is better than <laughs> a typical sort of Zucker Brothers, like in terms of writing. 
I laughed quite a lot. It was a really strange cast, insane cast. Samuel L. Jackson's in it. I'd never in a million years would have expected that. Two films to go. Number 12, U.S. Seals 2, The Ultimate mm. Force. Have I seen U.S. Seals 1? Of course not. Justin said it didn't matter. This is a direct-to-video sequel to a film no one saw. It's directed by a man called Isaac Florentine, or Florentine, whose uh, ninja movies I'd recently watched and adored. The choreography and stunt work, fantastic. It's basically martial artists trying to act, so you sort yes. of gloss over all the exposition and narrative, and you're like, oh cool, now they're fighting with knives. Yeah. <laughs> Number 13, the finale. 3pm on Sunday. Justin wanted to play something big, so we got Demolition Man, a movie that's always been on my radar, but I'd never I actually never seen. seen. I've never seen it. Uh, Sylvester Stallone, Wesley Snipes, both bring their like absolute A-game to this 90s balls to the wall sci-fi action epic it's we i was thinking when watching it we don't really see much of that style of action filmmaking these days other than like your expendables and yeah or maybe there are pockets of uh like big american action cinema but i just don't see them ambulance uh, wanted to be that but is not yeah i suppose so yeah like sort of like kind of high concept because this one was like sylvester Stallone is sent 40 years into the future <laughs> Oh, it's a futuristic LA. It's very cool. It's a great way to finish off the marathon. It was like a big fist pump of a movie. Good oh. fun was had by all. So I watched twelve out of thirteen <laughs> movies, enjoyed wow. all of them, and like loved a few of them. And I'll leave the link to the list of those movies Fantastic. in the description to this podcast. Yeah. So I watched way too many movies, and now I'd never want to watch a movie again. Well, you wait till you hear some of the recommendations later. But uh, mm. that was one that'll bring you back. <laughs> um, any, any, I mean, that's a lot of movies. Any, any other movies in this week that you want to like particularly spotlight, um, just as a, as a brief just glance? Just last couple diary weeks. real quick. Uh, I watched Lightyear. Oh uh, yeah, actually, I do want to know what you think about that because I, um, I, I will uh, see it. I, I yeah, I, disappointed, but I had an okay time with it. I think I just okay. threw a three star on it. Yeah, uh, I, I'm a really, really big fan of the Toy Story movies, and although this doesn't, because they're great. <laughs> Uh, and all of this doesn't like cheapen them it just feels like a real big letdown because like Pixar are known for making sequels but like most of their sequels are a quality and like have this sense of (laughs) Cars 2 makes Cars 3 look like Cars 1 I don't know Lightyear to me just felt like exactly what Disney Plus should be for and not that's exactly like, what I was going to say yeah it's it, such like, a shame that Turning Red was not in cinemas exactly which which feels much more cinematic and like yeah they're trying to make like a, a Star Wars a big space adventure but it feels quite convoluted in its execution and I just yeah it just doesn't really There's work an interview with the director up on the Twin Geeks that Calvin did it's a really good interview actually yeah. um, and the director talks about it being hard sci-fi and I was like what? Is it um, hard sci-fi? I, I haven't really unpacked, uh, you know, sort of the theories behind it, but like, it's there's time travel and there's, it's sort of high concept, but okay. it's also a film about a toy. But it's yeah, not a toy. It's not a the toy. The toy is based on the. I don't like any of that. It should just be what the two thousands did and have uh, an action film based on a toy because that's how everything works yeah that would, how... actually that would make way more sense like because yeah no you're right actually because like transformers exist to like sell toys like exactly it's just, like, yeah, it yeah. Should, should be much so, more like tra- it kind of falls at the first gate for me but anyway uh, talk- then i saw 
Sorry, he talked in the interview about um, like he wanted an excuse to make a hard sci-fi movie in 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 the Pixar thing, and I'm just like, mm-hmm. I can see why in a, in a boardroom you go, all right, science fiction and Pixar may not work, despite Wally existing. That's a different thing. He wants to make like a, a sci-fi action movie. Um, and how do we latch onto it? And they say blah blah blah. And I think actually it's on the opposite. I think people are going to be less interested because they go, what? Sorry, why is this Buzz Lightyear? As exactly. opposed if to it was unique an original, Pixar movie, they go, okay, uh, Pixar does a exactly. sci-fi action movie. I'm intrigued. So yeah, I think it's actually damaged it. Honestly, doing that. if you, yeah, if you scrub through that whole film, take out every mention of Star Buzz Lightyear, change Star Command to literally anything else, Move change on. a couple of the, like, the, Move uh, <laughs> change the names change a couple of characters and you have like a fun yeah. film but yeah it was fine uh what else i want to highlight for the past couple weeks that mind melter really melted my mind I'm yeah i mean it was the end it was it i, I watched uh the new beavis and butthead movie oh, okay and I really, yeah i'm really I'm good only kind time of like culturally that. osmosis-y familiar with beavis and butthead so i'd seen the first film that and does like america does America maybe like 15 years ago at a friend's house yeah. and thought like this is stupid this is this is just stupid it's dumb yeah. I'm above this I'm above yeah, this yeah. Um, so I threw this on thinking like ah it's a way to fill <laughs> 90 minutes or however long it this. is and I and I really really enjoyed it maybe it's just like oh. growing up and I've been watching more of the, that Mike Judge sort of comedy so King of the Hill and like I'm getting the writing a lot more and what sort of like the construction of their jokes and like anti-jokes as well and Beavis and Butthead are just like two 15-year-olds, so it's crude and mm. it's sort of quote-unquote lowbrow humour, but it's done in this really smart and interesting way. And that's a time travel movie as well. And I think that hey. works better than Lightyear. A real magic so, spot. Um, yeah, a real magic spot. So that's uh, one of my main highlights. And then I've just watched some other garbage. Yeah, some garbage. Um, I feel we should give lip service to Obi-Wan Kenobi. And very, 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 very briefly, we briefly, both have our thoughts up yeah. there on the internet, just because we did mention we were watching the beginning of it. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I'll, I'll go first. It continues to just be not very good. I think mm. it was, as a whole, I think incredibly disappointing, completely pointless to me. It was just such a nothing. It, the universe was so much more. I wrote a very kind of like sad, disaffected review of it, of being mm. like, it's just, this is the stuff. This is what you want. Let's make the yeah. action figures fight. And it's like, I, I, there's so much worth in the film Star Wars being a, a first time thing of being like here is this jewel you don't know the history yet here is this person that's going to people mm. and now it, it's obviously it doesn't change that film but it also no, but, if we uh, want to think about canon it contextualizes things in really stupid ways it's just dumb I don't like it's it it's just as soon as as soon as Leia is introduced I sort of checked yeah. out I was like if this is going to be the whole crux of the six episodes I'm just not with it at all and I don't know where but I'd read somewhere that someone had lied to me obviously that the finale was gonna be like a 90 minute like yeah, two episodes back to back you said this on I, 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 I told my i told my family i was like it's gonna be 90 minutes long it's gonna be great it's gonna be like a mini film and yeah which just, would make sense why it's only six episodes after 45 minutes it went to it cut to black and i was like oh. okay so this is the second half now and then the credits started to roll so i don't know if there's gonna be like a second series it was very I, much I like three know. different endings they even mm. get the hello there line at the end and i like even oh. message you to be like oh great this um, is he did well, the that's thing. what these shows the are it's from sort the of fan service for and one the, of the most toxic fan bases in the world yeah like which responded considerably toxically to it the villain arc i thought was really atrocious of like mm. they set someone up as like real fascist villain then go maybe if good and you're like no <laughs> um, <laughs> and then they stab her a couple of times and she's fine yeah it just absolutely mm. sucks but mm. 
the context from that is I feel like that's everything I don't want in like a universe spin-off TV show. Yep. And um I've now watched the first three episodes of Ms. Marvel. As um, have I. I think that show's really quite brilliant. I, I, mm. I really, really, really like it. Um, mm. I was stronger on the first episode than the third episode, though I do think yes. it's still good. Um, mm. I'll get to my, my concerns with the third episode. It's only, I think it's only comparatively weak, I think. Compared to, I'm yeah. just, my, before I let you say what you think, because I'm actually very eager to know what you think, because I don't know what you think. Um, why it works at the core for me, without getting into the very specifics, is... I feel the purpose of TV is to exist and feel like TV, to feel serialized, to feel less high stakes, to feel universe expanding. And I feel all the Star Wars stuff, though maybe not Mandalorian, I've not watched much of it, um, and all the um, Marvel stuff has just been like funneling more story into the universe. I've been like, mm-hmm. it's just films, but they're longer. Um, and it actually makes the universe feel smaller. That's a big problem with Obi-Wan is space used to feel big because it had space in it and now space has less space in it no gaps it's just everyone knows everyone everyone's everyone's cousin and getting stabbed and there are 12 Jedi now and then there are no Jedi everyone's fighting every five <laughs> minutes and it really pisses me off um, this TV show actually gives some stakes and reality to the Marvel universe it actually feels like a universe right now it just felt like succession of stories and now I'm like they're a character just having her as just like a fangirl of Marvel it actually legitimizes yeah. Yeah, yeah. um captain marvel more the fact that her fascination really shows what that character is doing um the low stake stuff it feels like these characters exist in a world it feels televisual even the production design feels more televisual it's more willing to be kind of like teeny and creative mm. doesn't want to be like marvel sludge i even conceptually i think so i don't know where this is going to go in the next three episodes but at the moment i like how it is such a small story yeah. in the grand grand scheme of things this is the only marvel show i've seen so Good. maybe some of the other ones are smaller self-contained stories but part of me thinks everything's all woven into the horrible mcu tapestry and it's all meant to be this comic booky thing where you pick up an issue and if you don't really understand what's going on in that specific panel it'll say pick up a copy of moon knight season one episode yeah. three and that's this the is stuff the that like i just extra reading not the recommended the, reading this is exactly like, oh, i didn't do that damn it exactly yeah yeah so I that's when the first I can't remember what the first show to come out was it was like one Loki or one division or what Loki I just sucks. said like I don't want to have to keep up with all of this I don't want to have to keep up with a running tally of homework to be able to mm. understand Black Panther 2 in next year or two years yeah, time or whatever but Miss Marvel I was like oh this this looks fun mm. through on the first episode and as you said like it's fun it's energetic it's youthful um, to draw comparisons really quickly, it fe- it feels like Turning Red or Mitchells and yeah. Machines, where and Spider Verse, and Spider Verse, where like the naivety and the the youthfulness of the character transcends into how the story progresses and how yes. the, the the visual language of the the television. I want to say film because it feels kind of filmic. In yeah, that but it feels Spider Verse like It looks nice, but it feels yes, televisual yeah. in the scope of it, and I think that's exactly mm. the thing that you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's got like sort of like passion and excitement, and yeah. I think it's like it it reflects on fan culture without being self-servicing yes. and patting themselves on the back and being like, "Aren't we so good for making things that people like?" And like cosplay culture and all that. I thought that was really well done for a company and like an, a property that is so like giant. It's the biggest thing on the planet, and to have just these small little things about a girl wanting to go to a, an Avengers convention. I thought it that feels was really very good. legitimate. It feels very earned. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
So I don't really know where it's going to go after this third episode. And obviously, as her powers progress and as that yeah. sort of narrative goes, and then in the third episode, they introduce sort of like the backstory of how. Really, really quickly, I thought really like it, it, it went from like these characters were introduced at the end of episode two to mm. they're really nice to they're the villains. And I, I mean, I, and I was, I was, I was actually paying attention. I really liked the show. I was watching it like I was, you know, phone was not even near me actually watching it, and I was like, wait, what? And like, mm. I get that you said that, but it just. I feel we shoved two episodes into one episode because they want to get to um they are moving we are moving across the world which sounds very very exciting mm. um very very excited about that um to karachi i believe but how we're getting how it's like we're in a bit of a rush to get there um episode one and two i thought was were close to spectacular um mm-hmm. and part of the reason that is is the way it in a teen friendly way actually goes into some really important things in the mm-hmm. right way and it's the right show that should be doing that there were conversations like count conversations about um religious dress and like mm. the self-determination of a character talking about why she wears what she wears and what it means to her and actually mm-hmm. getting into that there's a conversation about the role of women in a mosque and what that means to people involved and again it's from the right perspective it like i'm learning stuff from this it's absolutely brilliant mm-hmm. there's conversations about partition like there's a table conversation about the british empire colonialism and partition in a goddamn marvel show this is the show that should people are learning things from this like kids are going to watch this and learn these like important nouns look them up and actually learn things mm-hmm. and actually it, it shows that actual for the first time a social worth of this stuff um of it can expand our thing and yes i think there are listeners out there will go well of course Stephen and jack like the the diversity show and to an extent <laughs> yes but it mm. feels like earned legitimate we are also the people that lambasted eternals uh, because it was crap and yes it was the most diverse mm. marvel product yet but it was crap <laughs> this actually earns its diverse and it proves to you that diversity is like the importance is actually legitimacy of that mm. sense like it's not like oh it's different it's probably like no it takes a thing and it carves out a story that's interesting and unique with characters that are grounded it uses world building as part of like culture like the culture mm. is part of the world and because we are not used to this kind of stuff as the homogenous audience is aiming at that's great to us and for those who are used to this stuff it's great to be seen and to be reflected mm-hmm. it just i don't know some things are unexplained there's a, I, I really like the bruno character because he's just so well positioned as an outsider yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but not positioned enough to be like what's going on with this it's, muslim stuff he's well, just it's like, kind of like an audience surrogate exactly not like a fish out of water sort of thing but it also knows that for much of the audience kamala is the audience surrogate that there are girls just like her watching it i think marvel have realized that they have they are soap operas now and that their audience is not who their audience was at the beginning and like actually most people i know that keep with marvel now are female like Mm. that's just more about the demographic of people that i know i don't think it reflects the wider demographic but they are now starting to realize we could be more choosy with who we're pitching to we can do different fantasies it's not even a power fantasy it's more of like learning about stuff the third episode i think is still good um it reaches a bit too far there's some like action towards the end that's a bit clumsy Mm -hmm. doesn't really work um and i'm a bit worried that it went from not real stakes of the stakes are spider-man stuff of oh my god i've got powers and i'm a teen keep me being a teen to now suddenly there's an evil faction of magic people yeah i just don't want it to get to world threatening you know I, stakes and just keep it i want at the it, end of the series it, like have a series small, two for that keep it small keep it tight and keep it sort of like 
not innocent, but sort of that that teenage youthfulness and keep it. That's stuff that matters more. Like that, those exactly, stakes matter yeah. more. I, I I care less about the stuff of like this vague thing of being like they're like we're going to walk to this wedding and kill you all. I'm like, well, you're not because that's that's not going to happen in this TV show. You're not going to walk in and kill all the characters. I don't care. But when she's like, I might get found out. I'm like, oh, you might get found out, and you might lose a friendship. That that matters. The stakes There's are weirdly stakes bigger there. when they're smaller exactly. because they they are realistic. Um, but yeah, I think Ms. Marvel is great so far, and I've not liked the Marvel TV stuff I've watched previously. Um, one of the best. Maybe one day, there. maybe one day I'll go back and catch up. But right now, I'm fine with just having yeah. this this little corner of the MCU. Yeah, I see no reason week. why you should. Um, mm. And I, I felt a bit like, oh, it's a shame that Ms. Marvel, you know, gets sidelined to TV. But it's like now, it's like you know what, this feels right. It doesn't feel like sidelining. It feels like the, the best way to actually do this character properly and do the art properly. Well, is this my question but i suppose we both don't know is this going to build to something like the mar marv is it there's there's marvels the the marvels or something like that i have is no idea up, <laughs> where's mando a, mando someone the marvels. Mando. there's a film next year called oh yeah she's in a film next year called the marvels never mind <laughs> oh she's so good i have to say like she is just so charming so perfect this role i i've read that she is just like marvel fangirl that they've hired to awesome. be the fangirl that's really um, cool she's just loving it is is great to watch all all the main cast are really really good actually um Um, it's great so far even a comparatively weaker episode only comparatively weak it's still capital g great Mm -hmm. so miss marvel we'll have some more takes on that next time because we'll have two more episodes to watch i'd imagine yeah yeah, yeah. uh what do you want to talk about next you want to talk about some games video games one game that we've both played and enjoyed question mark what you go first TMNT, Teenage Mutant Shredder's Ninja Revenge. Turtles, Shredder's Revenge. <clears throat> you might not know this about me, but TMNT, Turtles in Time, was one of my first ever games. I could have guessed that. Start. I feel like okay. I just, it feels very new. Side-scrolling beat-em-ups, playing that at a friend's house on their SNES, and being like, this is the best thing ever. I'm beating people up. I'm with my friends who are also beating people up on the same screen. And I love being a turtle. And I love being a turtle. So, when the trailer dropped for this last year, I knew I was going to pick it up. And, like, as soon as I went to that first stage, it was, like, this wave of nostalgia. But also, like, God, it's good. God, it's good fun. And, like, the uh, the gameplay is... Th- 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 I mean, you'll talk about this, I think, a bit more. Because you're more yeah. sort of keyed in with game development terms. But the, the learning curve, the learning, <laughs> the learning curve, the difficulty curve, I thought was really well done. So, I would beat the first level... Beat the, beat the second level after losing a couple lives. Beat the third level after losing a couple lives. <laughs> Some losing like... lives, apparently. <laughs> but by the time I got to the, the last couple of stages, I'd have to replay and like sort of almost strategize how to kill certain enemies and a boss. And hey, I'm not a gamer. This was fun. Steve, don't give me that face. <laughs> Just pulling faces over here. <laughs> but yeah, it was nice. And like, it was nice to pay £20 for a game that's <laughs> not 60 quid or something. Yeah. What about you? What was your take um, on Shredder? Right, I, I think it's great. I want to get my um, critiques out the way first because I want to like um, get this. The, it starts so poorly, um, not because the first level is bad, of it fronts to you this like 21 slide tutorial and you're like, I don't know how the game even plays oh. yet. What the hell? It just yeah. like, and it's, I thought it was an interactive tutorial. So I thought it was like, like a Tekken thing of being like, I'd press square, square, yeah. square, 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 no, no, square. Just it's to... just like, no. It's a slideshow. Like, you're going to watch Ultimate Moves. I'm like, I can't remember these out of context. It reminds me of like, um, I love the Platinum Games beat-em-ups. I'm bad at 3D beat-em-ups and 2D beat-em-ups. Not as bad as Jack, apparently, but wait. Um, 
It's true. Um, but because I'm, I'm very bad at remembering all the combos and things, and I have no interest in really doing that. It's why I, lo- I like mashing buttons. <laughs> I like mashing buttons and seeing different things happen. Yeah, but I, not I, remembering it's why what's I like the, the Devil May Cry game DMC, um, the one that came out in 2012, I think, because it like mm. it gave you the skills over time, so you'd learn them contextually. Whereas Bayonetta, which I adore, and Bayonetta 2, which I think is even better, you have everything from the beginning, and like I, I just kind of like bash and accidentally learn a few things, and I'm just like I just. It would like to be taught and contextualized and this thing just like throwing out i'm like when would i use this what is this it's like this is a jumping move like yeah but what is that it's like this is this move yes but what does that mean it even gives you things you can't even use yet the last thing says when you reach ninja mode i'm like and i keep doing that and i keep taunting and it's like and then five dollars later it goes you've unlocked this now i'm like why is it in the tutorial then i don't even do <laughs> yeah, it yet yeah. okay so fair, it fronts fair critique. this overly complicated just like you have 25 different moves and i'm like i'm never gonna remember this and the good thing is it turns out that on the lower difficulties you don't need to um so it, it could be threaded through a lot better um because it is a very intuitive um very active game um obviously beat-em-ups are historically ways to get quarters out of you um yeah yeah very uh, arcade you get beaten up rather than beat them up this gives you more it's it's not a defensive game it is an offensive game but you get like a, a roll with with um invincibility frames that's always great so you can get out of the way um you have like jumping attacks you have like some combos that you can like catch and you have like some air attacks um and if you are playing the game you'll start to intuitively work out the ways that you should attack things it's annoying that some things aren't contextualized because there are some flying enemies and they were a pain for a while and so i realized that you just have this double jump and attack attack yeah i'm like yeah, yeah, yeah. tell me that then don't give me the 21 page yeah, nonsense yeah, yeah. and then do that um th- there's a way like two things i don't like is the way that bonus activities work so there's two ways it works um one way is like you meet someone that looks like a special stage and they go find 12 videotapes you're like okay i've got one that apparently i finished i just can't find him i'm like i've, I've, I've looked on the map said, go this guy. i've no idea where he is i think i found the the bugs or whatever can't find oh no, yeah, yeah just like okay well i don't really care because it's like it's not clear what you get from that like you have this kind of progression where i, I played as april um because i thought it'd be fun to play as april mm, um she's fun to play and with. I, she's leveled up, but it didn't. I don't know what it really occasionally would be like. You got an extra health pip. I'm like, cool, I guess. I like now, and I like progression like that. But now I'm like, well, why do I play as anyone but April? Because I have a level nine April now. So like, I'm not so gonna finish the challenges. You got to be. You got to get to everyone to level ten. I don't know. Yeah, but like, if I jump in, I don't, don't want to jump in like multiplayer of my like level one Leonardo. I'm like my level nine April over here. So that's I don't know. That's a bit strange. That's not really an issue. But mm. there are challenges per level. Um, mm-hmm. in the thing and it's just so much negative reinforcement because you only find out what they are when you failed them and a lot of them are ridiculous so like you just like walk in it's just like failed 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 like oh my god because all of them are like don't get here like oh, only yeah, press yeah, okay. right once never jump and it's like bam failed. Like, i didn't even know that was a thing leave me alone yeah, yeah. you so, fell down a pit four times you yeah, fall down like, it three times know? so like every level there's this thing being like oh leave me alone game and i wish there was like a, just like a you could like opt into them and like a like it would tell you if you got them and you could opt into them in a replay. Um, but that aside, it plays really fluidly. I'm not a huge beat-em-up person mm. um, because they're usually just like not for me. I don't know. I'm not sure. very good at them and they're quite like rudimentary. Um, it feels really fluid. The level variety is really good without being like gimmicky so. Um, there's a couple of things you do, little extra things in the background. Um, 
The bosses are really interesting because most of them are actually quite easy because mm-hmm. focusing on one enemy is actually easier than focusing, than focusing on, on Yeah, I do several. like the ones where you're you're fighting like Bebop and Rocksteady at the yeah, same time. Yeah, 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 or yeah. Um, I forget the names. I'm not really a big TMNT guy, no, actually. But um, the one that comes up from the ground while you're fighting someone oh, on that the surface was really level, cool. that's a really fun yeah. one. Uh, the I, um, the electric arcade lady. That was who, like, great. As she punched people from Turtles in Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that's fun. awesome. The last boss I think kind of sucks because like it's just like like the, the last boss to begin with is very much like the last boss of like Marvel Capcom <laughs> Marvel Capcom mm. Three, which is kind of like it's like fighting Galactus again. Um, well, it's Modok I think at the end of Marvel Capcom Three um, and Galactus. I forget. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a while. Um, yeah. Have yeah. you played online yet? Um, no, I, I, that's one thing I'm, I'm missing on out on. And you were on Switch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so if anyone has it on Switch, please DM me. I need to play with someone, please. Yeah, or it's, come to my house. It I've is got controllers. really, really fun. Um, it is. Mm. It, it just feels right. It things link together as you want. There is a fun in just like it. I like a game that's just fun to interact with. Like mm-hmm. the fun doesn't come from it pushing back. The fun comes from it's good to do these attacks they feel good to do and you get mm-hmm. in the rhythm of being like hit 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 then i do my special i know this does now yeah, and yeah. slide back learn the slide mechanics forward. really nicely but, i just wish the tutorialization around the great game was as great as the game itself mm. looks great sounds great has some wu-tang clan people yeah, gonna rap at the end that's great um i think it's awesome i was really really impressed what's your secret game or is that a tease for next week well um first of all um i oh, got another game said oh, got on diablo the last podcast that i would finish diablo immortal because i'm broken i finished diablo immortal <laughs> um, i regret it i think like um i wasted a lot of my time <laughs> in that game um and it was not worthwhile um it's a shame oh, no. because the more i play it the more i realize there's a really good mobile diablo game in there that's just surrounded by just absolute crap and i kept finding out there's more stuff and more stuff and more stuff and there's so much in there but because everything in there is built around a layer of just like sleaze and predatory behavior i'm like this is part of the problem i was like so i entered a battleground thing there's just dota in there there's just a dota game just like hidden in there like there's what? a multiplayer mode that's just basically dota like rude, like very rudimentary dota i'm like yeah, why yeah. is this there just dota here it wasn't that fun but i was like that's you know it's a, for people that like that kind of stuff that's different but then it's like you know you get a different currency from it and then you unlock i was like oh my god and also like you're playing your own characters i'm like so obviously if i had done more to my character had better gear would i be would i be better still mm. that's like the issue that destiny online got around quite nicely of being like everyone's like equalized in um crucible and i'm like are oh, you just equalizing me here but then i could pick my build differently my build's not really meant for like fighting people it's meant for fighting hordes um yeah so it, it, the, the game progresses quite nicely it's it's diablo the dungeons are quite good the dungeons get um quite creative um but in ways that make you think it could be more like there's one that's got like this kind of like raft section with this raft moving around and like dodging out the way and you're like why isn't more of it like this it never mm-hmm. quite gets as bespoke because it's just like built to be stretched out um so every time you when you get you get through the first two areas which is where i was last time and and then it's just like every new area it's just like you're not high enough level yet and it's just an artificial gate because like that just means that everyone just kills you straight away mm-hmm. and the moment you are that level it's the same difficulty again because it's always the same difficulty. That's oh, the thing with Diablo. Yeah, yeah. It's always the same because you're getting as powerful as the monsters all the time. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But that feels good because you're getting new gear and it feels like you're earning it. And they find new enemies and, and it changes the way that you fight, even if it's even you know. So they, they find some ways to make it better towards the end. They're actually really interesting. There's some good enemies towards the end, but they're all kind of like brought over from Diablo three realistically. But there's always this point of being like, yeah, but I could pay and be better. So I I, I could just you you pay get and around better. This. 
Um, and I didn't. At one point, I chucked a fiver at it just because I'd played so much of it. And I was like, I want to see what happened. And I couldn't really tell what happened because it <laughs> gave like 12 different currencies. I'm like, I don't know what these mean. Is that the good oh, one? It's like started spending like random and stuff. stuff. I'm like, and occasionally it's like, you can't do this. And you do this thing. You keep walking up to like people and they go, you can't do that yet. I'm like, why not? And then it's like another system. There's like 12 different like weapon upgrade augment systems. I'm like, I don't know oh. when I should do this. It does, doesn't really matter. Like, it's just the way that you play it is you just wait for it to tell you to get five levels higher and then you do the daily repeatable stuff which i quite like the mobile game sense of being like here's the three things i do i log in i play for an hour at tops i do the bounties um i run a couple of dungeons and that's kind of fun because it's fun to play and so you realize that the bounties are always kind of the same and like so even like the the ritual of like playing it daily starts to diminish and it just like the levels get a bit longer but then also you just like randomly will level up because it's got this battle pass nonsense in the background and if you fill up a level of battle pass you get a huge xp boost from that but obviously, you could just pay to get more battle. So again, it just all goes back to you uh, can pay, pay to more. Win, baby. What really broke it for me is so I got to the end. I got a bit put the last few bosses um, got a bit of a challenge because you had to like play more dynamically. There's one boss that I thought was just actually kind of annoying because like he's off the stage, so you can't like run to him. He keeps just smashing down. So I'm like, just leave me alone and encroaching towards you. Um, and I beat what I thought was the last boss. It wasn't Diablo. Um, and then in a cutscene, Diablo appears and gets stabbed by my angel dude. And I'm like, was I, I was just skipping every cutscene because I don't really care. Um, <laughs> genuinely, I just did not care. Um, because I was okay. often playing it like on the go or on like a bus or something. I'm like, well, I'm not paying attention. So I'm just going to skip through and just like click until I get better loot. Um, and then I was like, was that it? There's no credits. I think, I think that's done. And then it said, you've got a new quest and it's called like a new challenge. I'm like, well, is that its way of saying the game's done? And then it said, you can't complete a new challenge until you reach level 60. I'm like, well, I'm level 50, 56. I don't really want to be level 60. And I was like, so I was like binging, have I beaten the game? Oh, I was that's like, always what you is want. it over? Am I done? And I even posted some <laughs> one of our discords and they'd be like, that's a really great oh, feeling. Like, yeah, yeah. Don't know if you finished it yet. So I, I knew that I had, but I was like, you know what? I'm just going to hit the level cap. I'm just going to do it. So I just did that. Then I hit the level cap. And I talked to the guy, and the guy was like, oh, you've unlocked hard mode. I was like, oh, thanks. And I deleted the game. <laughs> I just deleted it. I was like, no. Oh, my God. Um, there's more stuff. It's, it's it's full of stuff. Like, the stuff in there is technically good. But, ever, like, I discovered this whole, like, underrealm thing with, like, challenges of, like, part of the Haradrim stuff and, like, ongoing dungeons. And because I had currency, because I didn't, I didn't know how to use it, I could just, like, keep unlocking chests. And I was like, because you'd have a key. You could pay 200 gems. It's like, well, I have, like, 12,000. I guess I'll keep going. <laughs> and then it kept giving me more gems. It's like, oh, these gems do. And I went to the thing, and it was just like, you have the one main gem. You can upgrade that one. But these other gems upgrade the different gems that are got by beating that boss. Oh, you've beat that boss already. If you were to beat it again, you'd get us like, well, I'm not, no, <laughs> like I'm not. I'm ah. Uh, so it's a mess. It's such a shame. Like Diablo is you, great. The you phone sunk a thousand hours into this phone game. I I did play quite a lot of it, and it's like mm. it's a shame because like the feedback loop's really really good. Like the way like it signals information to you is really smart. Um, the way things go together is really really clever it's a very intuitive very fun very kind of like addicting like mobile game and then it gets addicting for the wrong reasons mm. what a goddamn shame well you'll learn your lesson and stop playing damn mobile games and play games on the Switch with me I need some friends DM yeah, me I, do, I do have a Switch I could do that um, mystery <laughs> game Ooh. so speaking of like bad gameplay experiences um, oh. so 
PC gaming um, is great mm. until it's not every time of like right, I've, okay. I've been historically I, I grew up as a PC person because we weren't really allowed consoles so I was like I was that random kid that no I'm not playing Mario Kart but I have Planescape Torment at home and I'm nine <laughs> I'm like, Man, I don't know I why I've got Planescape Planescape Torment is one of the greatest games ever made and is only like later flight simulator? Uh, no it's a it's it's in so Planescape is part of like the wider D&D um, universe it's um, the people that would then be Obsidian I think um so there is a Torment Tides of Numenera reboot kind of like you're just saying you're just it. saying words yeah, to me now. Um, oh my god, what is the I think like Neverwinter Nights kind of like I mean, you're playing Kotor on and off, so it's Oh of it's, course, yeah, yeah. It's like those but not Star Wars. So it this is an isometric okay. top down RPG. Um Torment was so cool because like you could play it and not attack anyone. It was like very D and D and it's set in like D and D stuff. And it's just like a game that we just had at home because my brother got it for a birthday once mm-hmm. and then five years later I realised it's like no one of the greatest games ever. I'm like, Oh, that's a game that I played as a child. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> cool. So, and then you know later was more of a console person, and I'm back on mostly playing PC stuff now because it's more it's it's easier for lifestyle because I've got a laptop that can run games. Um, cool. And PC gaming is great until it's not. Of I downloaded this game or 73 gigabytes of it, so <gasps> I wanted to play it, and okay. I play it and it just says DL132 error check requirements. You cannot oh. play this. I'm like I can play this. I am I've paid actually to past it. the requirements. Um, <laughs> And I'm Googling everywhere, being like, I'm binging, obviously. Um, what does this mean? And everyone's just like, what are your specs? I'm like, my specs are good enough. Leave me alone. And so I'm like, is it a driver issue? Goddamn drivers. I hate drivers. So mm. I open up the driver software, because you can't even, like, you don't have to get software. that, And it says, your driver's up to date. I'm like, well, whatever they are. I click reinstall, and it says, like, failed. I'm like, I... What? So I re-download the driver install thing. And then read out the drivers. Then my computer crashes. Then I restart it. And I do that again. And I'm like, okay, I reinstalled the same driver I already had. Opened it. And then it worked. Thank God. <laughs> so it finally worked. And that well, was the game. PC games. That was the game. That was the game. Was the, the driver game, tutorial. The game I'm playing is Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, I should have put this together. You were talking about this earlier. I completely... Mm. Yeah. Okay, cool. Which How, I is played... That, what is that? Is that like an RPG sort of thing? Uh, or is no, it, a... it, is, it is a third-person shooter kind of like squad based but single player so like think mass effect style of i can tell my people uh, to do simple you. things but much yeah, more stripped yeah. back than mass effect so like basic squad commands think of like a binary domain don't think of that no one's thinking about that can um, you be groot can you uh, no be you are only um, i will never play this game um it's good so far um okay. and i hate Guardians of the galaxy my only mm. um thing with it is the movies i thought both were terrible this is why did you buy this game off, it's, off Game Pass. Of... it's Game Pass. Oh, Game Pass. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I got you. Um, and people okay. told me, Josh Newbery, friend of the show, <laughs> told me it was really good. And so far, it is really good. And I'll give you a cool. full breakdown on it next time. But awesome. that's for next time. That's I like Marvel now, apparently. Oh, Marvel fanboy, Stephen mm. Gillespie. So last time, we got a couple of recommendations. Uh, music. Yeah. So Kevin, our buddy Kevin, gave hey, us Kevin. the... Angel Olsen's newest record, and uh, I'd never listened to Angel Olsen before. I no, I, heard I, of I knew Angel of Olsen. Elizabeth and Mary Kate and Ashley. <laughs> Mary Kate, but... Mary Kate and Ashley. <laughs> yeah, Mary, all three of them. Kate, <laughs> Ashley, Elizabeth, Angel, <laughs> all of the Olsens. I like this. It wasn't what I was expecting. I don't know why, but Kev never struck me as the type of person who would yeah. be into this sort of stuff. So it's sort of. Uh, uh, to be reductive, like the the vibes I got immediately were like her vocal performances are very Lana Del Rey, um, very sort of 
uh, floaty, very sort of soft, but also like some Leonard Cohen thrown in as well. It's like this country folk rock, yeah, with like this bluegrass influence that like I'm not really overly familiar with. And then there's got like really dreamy production, lots of space, large sort of cavernous sounds at points. It's rather sparse. And like I've listened to it a couple of times, and I, I dig it. I dig it. It's not really my usual thing, but I'm into it. I've listened what? to it several times because I keep wanting to like it more than I do. Okay. Um, I do like it. I do think it's really good. Actually, I just I just don't find the greatness in it. That's it's very subjective. It's just, it's just not quite my kind of thing. Sure. Um, it's, you said it, you were saying in chat it reminds you of something else that you yeah, just like, to listen to. So I'll, I'll, I'll get to that because that, that is that is like so the I'm not a big country person in general. I just like yeah. country music is not very for me. And when it gets more country, like every second track, it feels quite country. I feel like every third track, I really, I feel the the title track is is really the, so the first track is really really good, um, and it builds and builds very kind mm. of like theatrically. Like the guitars come out and it has this kind of like it reminds me of the most recent Father John Misty album, and I love okay, Father John yeah. Misty, but I thought the most recent album it was was not really for me i know that calvin likes quite a bit um and the last track on the album builds to where i want that album to be and then the album's over and i'm like oh man this mm. this track is so good and it's but it's like kind of like almost like a led zeppelin like um uh it's it yeah cashmere it's like has that like kind of like strange build of like cool sounds coming in and like bam album over I'm like i wanted to go there and okay. the first track of this album builds 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 and then it's just like I'm gonna chill out for the rest of the album. I was like, "Oh man, I thought we were we were moving from here." Mm. And track one feels a little more like the last track. Every now and then, there's a track that I really, really like. Um, there are a few tracks that have that. I like, is it is it dual tracked vocals? Is that the term, or is it double tracked? There's a lot of that on so here. So it's the, it's the it's the same yeah same like melody, same performance, but just done again. Yeah, I, yeah. I really like that, and the songs that lean into that are ethereal and cool and woozy. I like mm. that stuff a lot. The stuff that's more like sparse country stuff is just like, I don't know, the geographies of sound really interest me, this way that like... That's a cool thing to say. I, that's a very cool thing to say. I was thinking about this a lot, like the sense of being like, it, it, it feels very American in that way mm. of being like, the larger space kind of like translates music. I think people make music that adapts their environment in the same way that, let's take early talking heads, the Talking Heads is coming out of like a very kind of like claustrophobic scene of like Specific experimentation, scene, yeah. and you yeah. can hear that in the music. Um, mm-hmm. English rebellious music kind of like fits to like the geography around that to a certain extent, mm-hmm. and this like wide open country music opportunity has that broad sound. It reminds me of like the Muscle Shoals stuff. If you've watched that documentary and know about the mm-hmm. studio, if there's like there's like a sound in the mud there, and the Mountain Goats recorded an album but Muscle Shoals, and it, and it sounds different. It just sounds different. Like I don't know, just you you want a different space like tone, you know tone in the fingers etc but like you play differently in different places and it comes out nice so it has that that geographical americana to it and it's just yes. not quite me if i do kind of like okay. like it academically um <laughs> the thing that reminds me a lot of that points is a very underheard album so kevin here's my recommendation for you um laura stevenson's album the big freeze i think is absolutely fabulous and i know no one else has listened to it i saw her live doing the tour of the album i listened to it because ajj a band that i like a lot um, they used to play with her and Jess, Jeff Rosenstock um, in, oh God, um, Bomb the Music Industry, I think is the band. Um, they were mm. they were in it together and this is her solo stuff. Um, I think The Big Freeze is, a, is an amazing album. Uh, I would recommend if you listen to it, listen through it because it, it the, the B-side, I have it on, on record, the B-side is this kind of like 
montage selection of songs that like ebb and flow and like that guitar comes in like it does in that first one and it feels a bit rawer it's got the double track vocals it's got the wooziness her voice is really interesting and it just it feels a bit rawer and more experimental i feel the angel olsen stuff is it's just not quite me in that it's very good it's very well produced but that's not always what i go for in music i like stuff that's more like theatrical at the beginning i like stuff that's more like crazily complex like the radiohead side of things or i like mm. stuff that's kind of raw and different and i get that more out of a similar so i'm going to recommend to kev i guess that Laura <laughs> Stevenson album. i don't even know if you like it yeah, kev, but good. i think it's really worth listening to i think it's it's one of my favorite albums of the last few years and it just took me a surprise and no one else has listened to it and i just think it's so good sounds good i'm going to check that out as well it's and great. then we had a second recommendation from uh yeah john i recommended this Mm, rest rest spelt wrong but rest. maybe that's how they spell it up in scotland, scotland um, yeah, so this is. is yeah so this is rest with the album coward of us all edinburgh based sort of indie alt rock band yeah they've got two one? albums i went back to listen to the first album as well um oh man this is i'm really sorry this is this is the the annoying thing of music conversations and i go back to it's just kind of not for me um mm-hmm. Sure. I I don't dislike it. I listened to the album a couple of times and, and perfectly enjoyed it every time. This is where I need you, Jack, because your music vocabulary is so much better Uh-oh. than mine. Okay. Um, you want me to tell you why you don't like this? Basically, yeah. I <laughs> know. I know. I don't dislike it at all. I actually mm. quite like it. The sound of it. So this is why I need you because to me, this has that kind of like early two thousands indie thing and a very kind of like you early U two e vibe to it and the way the guitar it's large. Sound. It's large, sort of almost stadium sound yes. in the production. So the songwriting is one thing, but the production is another. So you could yeah. have a, you could have these songs in a very minimal, very mm. dry way, I but the production here is very much trying to make it larger than life. It's trying to get that's that's yeah exactly anthemic with these sort of this swells, this reverb, this sense of space, similar to Angel Olsen, but like on yeah. a grander scale. Um, but like the musicality itself, it pulls from American Midwest emo and math mm. rock in this sort of straight-laced way and then amps it up with the production to create this sort of large sound. What did you think? I like it. It reminds me of a lot of the stuff that I would listen to as a teenager. Um, it's not like a throwback to bands when I was really into band mm. culture and seeing lots of bands and I was a really good big guitar man and music was about guitars and singing and it wasn't computers and now I'm the yeah. opposite and ev- everything is music but it is it's nice I've listened to it a few times I'm not really like familiar with like Scottish rock scene or no. Scottish band scene but it, it was a nice I don't know yeah I was I was happy with it <laughs> I, I, I like it I really like his vocals I mm. really wish there was more space for them um, and I don't know my, my issue with the what I call the U2ification of it is that <laughs> because it's it, it feels like it builds but it's always kept at the same kind of level so it never like builds up into anything that kind of like lets loose it's, it's a very constrained com- build it's constantly swelling to the point where it's all swollen. It's like <laughs> it Diablo. Just... It's like you're getting new equipment, but the game stays the same. Yeah, yeah, sure. It so is, it's, it's, it's at this constant level of amphemic where it doesn't mm. quite burst through the clouds. Yeah. I, I wanted to, like the guitar to like push through a bit more and be more distorted. That's just a personal thing of like the kind of music I like. I did like it. I will listen to I will keep listening to it. I I, I mm. quite like it. It's it's nice it's to nice. have on. It was nice I like to, listening to, to drive, new music. It's to drive nice to, to work new too. things. I'm 
was unsurprised that Jono said that he'd saw them live. I reckon this would be really good live. I reckon like feeling awesome. that very, live very would be, would be awesome, and I reckon it'd also sound kind of different because it wouldn't sound as produced. It's a bit too produced, and that's a stupid yeah, thing to say. No, 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 um, not at all. I, I'd agree with that because the the actual musicality of it is so almost bare bones. Mm. It's very well structured and it's very simplistic in what it's actually doing, and it it's not overcompensating, but like that sound is very much trying to sell this this sound in a different way. Yeah. But then they're like, I know I'm a fan, I'm a, I'm a wanky fan of person with guitar music, but there are like 35,000s of those. So it's nice that it's not just like Scottish pub singer, I'm going to sing depressing songs. Like it's nice that it's not just late, yeah. like early microphones, Mount Eerie stuff. It's not just Mountain Goat yeah. stuff. Um, it's, it, I do love that stuff, but I have enough of that stuff in my life. So it's nice that it, that it is different. Um, so good rec. Thank you, Jono. Yeah. Uh, I have not got to the films that we got last week from Ben, but I I want to very soon. Oh, Stephen's holding up a book. Stephen's got a book to talk about. Yeah, I I said I'd finish this, and I did. Um, Companion piece by Ali Smith, which um, was as good as I wanted it to be. Um, I'm going to um, just read my Goodreads review of it, and I'm going to mm. read you a page of it. Um, and we'll we'll leave it there, because I don't want to... I can't oversell it. It's really brilliant. Um, and you don't need to read the four that came before. You don't need to. They, they are all standalone. Okay. And the book is weirdly about standaloneness um, in a way that I, I, I really enjoy. Um, so if I go, God, Goodreads has just like the worst way of finding anything. Um, oh, it's the worst. Yeah, infrastructure. I mean, interface. It's the worst. Yeah. It's People horrible. like Letterboxd for this, for this reason. So the seemingly unnecessary companion to the already finished series focuses on the importance and prevalence of companionship. It's about being standalone, how it doesn't work, and how companionship is or can be everywhere. It goes further than this. It becomes a deconstruction of artistic purpose and responsibility. We look to people for answers, especially those who have managed to make art out of the chaos. A reminder there that the last novels are very much about Alice Smith dealing with reality at the moment, reflecting our modern experience. In the end, there are only questions, and that has to be enough. The modern world spirals on a character here. They guide it, sometimes accidentally, and comment on its ways. The best bit is when it bites back. I love how this is written, but at points there is a holier-than-thou affect, an empty, all-knowing voice that always seems to know best. And then it cuts into that. Who do they think they are? How do they think they could know? The sifting through time is interesting, but Smith is always best when capturing the rawness of the present. It's both critique and praise that I would have just liked more time in the present. But this is the point. Moments don't exist as singular. History isn't a linear path to progress. The past haunts the present. It lives in it. It's a companion. And I'm going to read you a little bit of it. This is from my least favorite bit of the book, and that will tell you how good the book is. Oh, wow. Because it's just... So this is from... This is written at the end, but it's like... It is, she's writing, like, postmodernism. This is, like, interpretive narrative stuff. It's actually really accessible. I make it sound very inaccessible. But I think mm. for me reading it to you'll get... I love the way that yeah. she writes so much. It has it reminds me of the stuff in Inherent Vice, that kind of like wistful kind of like thinking back stuff, just that kind of like subjunctive air of like prose. So this is I'm jumping in, you don't need to know what's happening, don't worry about it. They give her a part in that story they told her about the poor mad girl who's ruined by revenge and loss. The young man on fire with what he can't change, with whether to live or to die. When she fights the villains with the sword on the platform, does that crowd at the fair go crazy with delight at what a good swordsman she is? Probably, since she's always handled her tools of the trade like extra hands, added onto her already skilled hands, and now she knows the uses and skills of a long, very strong beak to a thin-boned bird. 
does the bird still follow her at the safe distance through the summer months when she's in the more peopled world or does it happily slip away at last into the world of other birds does she leave the peopled world in the colder months to go and stand on a strand where the birds like her bird are congregated to see if there's one that'll lift its head turn its head step out of the company and come towards her fearless i'm not going to tell you what happened in the end to the girl except that she went the way of all girls same with the bird of that in the end it went the way of all birds if any of this ever happened if either of them ever existed one way or another here they both are cool chills every time i just ah. her writing just like just speak it's so good at the like pokes out i just little phrases like the people she loves language she plays with it she's yeah, just yeah. the greatest writer that's and that's the worst bit of the book and it's just so good cool well i i yeah i will get around to her books i've been on a, a, bu- a book slump this past couple of weeks oh. but i need to get back into reading i have no Scottish book again. recommendation this week but uh next time I'm, I'm working on something so we have new recommendations people have sent in emails should we read some emails so this one is from our friend david punch salutations hey. stacks i'm aware you are both cautious of taking film recommendations at this yes, time yes i sent a message sh- saying please don't recommend us films <laughs> <laughs> we watch enough. <clears throat> I'm aware you are both cautious of taking film recommendations at this time due to the sheer volume of movies you're both undertaking at the moment. But mm-hmm. damn it, if Jack has the time to watch 20 terrible movies about a talking donkey, he can set some time yes, aside that's to see what <laughs> I have to tell you about. So I feel like I've been called out, and this is a Jack wreck, and Stephen just has to uh, <laughs> listen along. In 1949, legendary Hollywood director King v- Vidor? Vidor? King Vidor. King Vidor? Vidor? Go for Dow, continue. King Vidor adapted an incredibly popular novel about an uncompromising and visionary architect played by Gary Cooper. It's a powerful story about a man uh, a man with a vision fighting against corrupt elites with lots of great drama and salacious romance, so I know Stephen will enjoy it. It was shot by Robert Burke, who was a Hitchcock's cinematographer through all his best films of the 50s, so even before watching, you can be sure it's beautiful. Mm. I hope I've thoroughly sold you on the film and very much looking forward to hearing both your thoughts on this adaptation of the Enran novel, The Fountainhead. See you in two weeks, David. Yeah, thank so you, you, David. You don't seem that. too pleased by this. Fill me in. No, that is a joke at our expense. <laughs> it is a joke at our expense. You know who Ayn Rand is. You know what the Fountainhead is. That's him joking around to make us watch conservative trash. And he's been like, it's, oh, I will watch it. I will watch it, David, because you've already recommended it to me as one of the resolutions. Also as a gag to me. And I know you hate it. So you just make me watch a bad movie he, because you've watched he's it. He's very good at selling movies that he doesn't want, uh, that he doesn't like. <laughs> yes, it's, it's, like as we'll find like out, it. it's there as a gag. Thank you, David. Hey, my ratings from friends are very widespread. So that's interesting. Anyway, mm. let me read. Let me read some other ones. Uh, I've got some short ones here. I've got one from Trav, our good buddy Trav. Have you seen hey. the... T- 2006 William Friedkin film Bug. No, I haven't. That's it. That's the recommendation. William Friedkin's Cool. I thought you were going to recommend a short film about a lawnmower, but... No, because I haven't seen that yet, but I want to. So, Trav, if you're listening I recommend that. So, uh, Bug 2006. In Oklahoma, Agnes, a lonely waitress living in an isolated and dilapidated roadside motel, meets Peter, a quiet and mysterious man with whom she establishes a peculiar relationship. Michael Shannon, mm. Ashley Judd. Ashley okay. Judd? That's a strange one. Okay. Yeah, cool. I'll check that out this week. I like Late Pier Freakin'. I mean, I get it mixed up with Killer Joe. I've seen horror, Killer Joe, so. but they're in my head the same movie. 
Uh, and uh, I've got a couple from our buddy Kodiak, who says... Hey, hello! So, he's broken this down to categories. These are very much just, like, firing off recommendations, all off the board. So, books. Yeah. He's got The Exorcist by William... Peter William Blatty. Peter Blatty, which I've never actually read The Exorcist. Nope, I've never same. actually read many sort of like horror novels. I think I've just been like straight I've, in. I've read like the gothic stuff and some classics, but not like really contemporary. I've horror. read some Clive Barker, and that's it. Um, I, I read yeah. Books of Blood. Um, uh, he also it. recommends Misery by Stephen King. Again, seen the film, loved the film. Good Would like movie. to read some more. Never King. read any Stephen um, King. Never read a Stephen King. I've read The Shining, probably. The Shining. Um, and a book I'd imagine you've already read or are very aware of, uh, Shock Value, a tasteful book about bad taste by John Waters. Um, I've read two of his books, but not that one. I've read mm. Role Models and the most recent one that I read a couple of weeks, like a month ago, and I can't remember it's called already. Um, it was good, though. Um, this is his first memoir and chronicles his early life. I should, I should read that then. That sounds cool. I think I might have a couple Mr. Know it all. Mr. Know it all. Um, I don't know why, but he's recommending us Twin Peaks, even though we've both seen it and both yeah. love it. And he says that you've both seen it and you both love it, but I want to talk about Twin Peaks. So Yeah, it's, yeah I mean, Twin okay, Peaks hit me good. up. Slide my DMs. We'll talk Twin Peaks. Uh, it's great. And he's got some electronic music recommendations, which cool. I'm going to tap into this week. So Boy Harsha is a very underrated. She makes great electronic music. Uh, I've also been into Tsuzing, spelt T-S-U-Z-I-N-G, who I'm quite familiar with, T-R slash S-T, and Lebanon Hanover lately too. Very interesting names. I will check some of those out, Kodiak. Sounds great. Sounds cool. I need to broaden my, my musical palette, so I'm not just mm. complaining, being like, this doesn't sound like men with guitars. <laughs> Do we have any other business today? I think we've gone quite long today, so I don't know if you want we, to... We have gone quite long. There are a couple mm. of wrecks that we're keeping in the chamber, so if yours wasn't mentioned, Ivan, don't worry. We'll get to that. Ivan? 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 We'll get we'll to get that. that next week. Fru, yeah. we'll get to yours next time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... We want to hear what you've been reading, watching, and listening to, too. Mm. So why not email your updates, comments, queries, questions, talking points, and, of course, compliments and suggestions mm. to the stacks on film at gmail.com. Obviously, find us on Letterboxd, find us on Twitter. Yep. It's all in the description of the podcast. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. See Goodbye. You then. Keep stacking. <laughs> <laughs>